it's all about selling the vision and what's possible. Right. And some people are there, some people understand that, some people are not. We're a B2B service company and you've got to have a product to sell into it. So you've got to build that to start with. Yes. I'm, I'm yet to find many entrepreneurs or startups that really love going out to raise money. Trying to gauge where somebody is in that journey within the first sort of 30 seconds of meeting them when you're going to pitch, I think the most critical thing anybody that's pitching can do. Welcome, Ben. It's great to see you again. Beth, really good to see you. Yeah, and um, I would love it if you could tell me um, about your company yep. and uh, how we got the idea, how it started, the, and your role, etc. So you want all the gritty details? Yes, So I, I give you all the gritty details. <laughs> That's right. Okay, so um, my company's called Powered Now, as you know, and um, we founded it in 2012, 2013, and it kind of came out of the business we were doing previously, we were, we were working in e-commerce and great business, it was doing very well, but it's a bit boring, if you're brutally honest. It was kind of very repeatable, scalable sort of business and we wanted to sort of shake things up a bit. So we did quite a lot of research. We're looking into different areas that where we could apply some of the e-commerce model to. And um, we couldn't really find anything, to be honest. But then we realised we knew a lot about the payments industry. And this was 2000, and, well, this would have been about 2010, actually, when we were doing our research. And the payments industry then was a bit of a wild west, to be honest. You have companies like PayPal that are trying to get from the online space offline. You have companies like iZettle, which is really in its infancy. And we thought, oh, that's interesting. So we went and spoke to lots of those companies. And every single time we were doing our research, we kept coming across trades companies or service companies for our friends in the States. So these are companies which are generally out and about. They're in your home. They're in your business. They can be a one-man band, plumber. They could be a sort of 16 to sort of 30 gang doing big construction sites. And um, every single time we got talking to these companies, we thought to ourselves, well, that's interesting. They're terrible at payments. You know, they're just, they don't, I've had work done at my house. I'm sure you have, you have as well. Yes. <laughs> and uh, the whole payment piece is really tricky. So we tried to, uh, we built a minimum viable product. We tried to figure it all out. And we realized, I think within about day two, that actually these companies don't have a problem with payments at all. Our, our complete hypothesis was incorrect. <laughs> you know, they get paid. And when they're, you know, some, I'll be very stereotypical, but when you're sort of six foot square, you really, really pay some of these companies. <laughs> um, but the problem they have is all the stuff that goes into the payment. So raising an invoice, creating a quote, all the administration. So we then built that. And that was much more successful, sort of all the admin piece into it. Um, and that was rolling into about 2013. That's when I first that's, met you. Right, that's when we met at the Next Web. That's right. Yeah, you that's were right. selected as one of 20 companies to pitch at the Next Web, and I was coaching all 20 companies. Yeah, that was a crazy experience. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll never forget because we, we built a. In, in Amsterdam. Yeah, yeah we, we, I, I built this wonderful, amazing pitch deck, and I've distilled it down to whatever it was, the, the five minutes you're allowed to talk about or <laughs> on the stage. Um, came and saw you and you you broke my heart. <laughs> you know, I, th I thought I was the super entrepreneur that had it all sorted out. And um, yeah, so you, you, it's a bit like the army with you, Beth. You kind of, you broke us down into our base components and then built us back up again. And actually, you know what? That was, that was excellent. It was a really good experience. Although I was crying into my beer. 
Saturday yeah. evening in Amsterdam. Yeah, it's sort of, yes, that's a common occurrence. Is it? Like, yeah. <laughs> initially. And then they, they, they don't like me initially, and then they, they love me afterwards. So. Right. right, Sergeant Major. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, so we, we, we launched, we in fact launched on stage, actually, at the next web. And um, I'll be honest, that product was held together with sticky tape, bits of plastic, blue tack, all sorts <laughs> of things. Um, and we won best mobile app at that event. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> I was really happy for you. Well, we're a B2B, you know, product. And this is a sexy conference full of nice consumer tech. You know, nobody really likes to think about how their plumber deals with their admin. But so it's a kind of, you know, I want, this, I want this to be the most successful, boring company you've ever heard of. <laughs> so that was great. And that got us lots of press attention. And I think at that time, there were probably four of us in the business. So the three founders, and we had one extra guy. And um, then it really kind of snowballed from there. So we started getting lots of um, registrations coming in, lots of feedback from our early users, some pretty brutal, some pretty good. You know, we kind of tried to understand what we should take from that. And uh, the company just kind of took off. So we, we did two rounds of Crowdcube funding. That's a crowdfunding um, company based in the UK. We raised about two million pounds from that. That's great. Yeah, yeah. I remember, yeah. Yeah, I, I think at the time we were one of the most, more successful B2B crowdfunded apps, but we had our angels as well with us. And um, then we raised a Series A, uh, crikey, nearly two years ago now. So, and uh, how, what, what happened just before you raised the money? Well, I can see you, Beth. <laughs> I can see you. <laughs> so, yeah, we had a um, we had a, a nice holiday in Spain where we we went through that whole process again of being broken down <laughs> That's right. and building us back up. Yeah. Um, but I think the interesting thing with the business, you know, it, it changed significantly from those early days at the next web all the way to coming to see you again just before our Series A, where we felt we knew the answers and we probably did know the answers for a certain segment of our market. But this is a market which is so uncomputerized. And, you know, if they've bought something before, it's been some clunky accountancy system or some something somebody's told them to buy. But the market, you know, was early. So we were continuously educating, telling them why they should be using something like Powered Now. But actually, in the period of time from launching to coming to see you, actually, the market started coming towards us a bit. And suddenly... You know, computerization wasn't so alien. Right. So we were learning what it is that they really needed, but also we we were going up market as well. So you know, we're still very interested in the entry level market. That's that's our bread and butter, but we're moving to sort of, you know, again, groups of twenty, groups of thirty employees, and their requirements are completely different. Right. And so that's where you are now. Is 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 that where you are now? Well, that's kind that's of where, that where was our tur- that was our turning point really yeah, around around ago. raising the money. Yeah. And. The money has enabled us to really scale the business. And so you raised two million, right? Yeah, yeah, two point three five or something. Two days so. after we yeah. worked together. Yeah, very good. Anyway. <laughs> I remember. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, that was that was a weird roller coaster, actually. To be to be honest, I mean, the whole fundraising circle is something which I think you either hate it or really hate it. Um, yes. I, I'm, I'm yet to find many entrepreneurs or startups that really love going out to raise money. I know. Um, but it was it was. It was a good experience. And, you know, to close the round, just before Christmas as well, which was really... Christmas present. It was a Christmas present, (laughs) um, especially for the staff, because, you know, getting up to that point of raising the, the Series A... You know, we I think we had about sort of 12, 13 people working in the business. Right. You know, that secured our, gave us a nice run, runway for two years. Right. Really sort of accelerated our growth. You know, we then went on to do the thing we really wanted to do, which was actually scale our commercial side, because... Up to that point, 
it's all about building product. Right. You know, you've, we know there's a demand for something, but actually we're a, we're a B2B service company and you've got to have a product to sell into it. So you've got to build that to start with. Right. And that's a continuously evolving thing, really. And after that, it's all been, been about scaling the, the commercial side of the business. And so tell me a little bit more about scaling the commercial side of the business. What, is, what does that entail <coughs> and to whom? more specifically okay i think that's a great question um if you'd asked me that when we first in fact if i dig out my my pitch deck from the next web i'll probably be incredibly embarrassed about my i guess naivety around how to actually get this product in front of people and you know get them to buy it um (laughs) i'll be honest about it but I, i think for for very small businesses it's all about self-service you know we're a low-cost product to those companies you know as soon as it involves a human we can't afford to do it you know it costs a lot of money now of course when you've got 100 200,000 paying customers like that you know you can just kind of roll with that i suppose it's the early days but as you start scaling and you're getting bigger and bigger and you know our ambition is to dominate this market um actually you've got to understand how you can both get to those people in a cost-effective way but really get to the people that have the money and the people that have the money in this market are the slightly bigger firms so what's slightly bigger? What's your definition of slightly bigger? Well, f- for us, it's it's five to twenty. Anybody that has five to twenty employees, you know, suddenly they they're probably VAT registered, so they're they're paying taxes. Um, they have all the headaches of running a business. You know, difficult clients, um, projects which overrun. You know, when when you're when you're a single person outfit, you can kind of deal with that yourself. You know, you right. are you are the product. Right. Um, as soon as you have staff, it gets really quite complicated, actually. Right. And. The construction space is highly regulated. Um, it's getting worse or better, depending on your on your viewpoint. Um, so there's lots of interesting things coming in for tax. So that's so when we were working together, I remember when you came mm. to Spain to see me. Um, I remember I was uh, shocked and sort of horrified about the number of different um, forms and taxes yeah. that a small businessman <clears throat> small. If you have five employees, you're small, but you have. This huge burden. So, give me some of the numbers of the types of numbers of forms these poor people have to deal with in order to uh, just um, process their invoices and pay their taxes. Yeah, sure. So, um, and their insurance by their insurance. Yeah, it, and it really depends on the type of job they're doing as well. So, if you, um, I'll take an example. We have a, a customer who's a, a gas an HVAC guy, gas he, um, heating, air conditioning, and he's on his own. So he's a one man band. So. In many ways, that's the simplest form of customer that we have using our product. But they have all sorts of things. So to do their job, they've got to fill in a whole load of forms. So everyone that has a rental property with a gas-attached appliance in the UK needs a gas safety certificate. That has to be done every single year. You know, we're in a nice TV studio that has air conditioning. Well, this would have to be serviced every single year for all sorts of things. Legionella disease. There's, you know, there's all of these various um, reg- regulatory things which they have to do as part of their job. But then moving forward, you have, you know, they have their own um, certification they have to keep up to date. Um, If they have staff, then they've got to make sure their staff are up to date as well. There's this wonderful taxation rule for for B2B contractors in the UK called CIS, which actually, having interviewed countless accountants, they really don't know anything about it either. Everyone has an opinion and they're probably 80% right. And what is CIS? So CIS is... Remember you mentioned it. I don't remember. Yeah, it's about stamping up the black market because most people think of this space as being, you know, a bit dodgy, cash in hand, brown envelopes. Okay, under the table. Under the table. And there is absolutely a, a little bit of that, and that's in the sort of the very small side of the business. 
But if you get a bit larger and you have staff, you know, you can't afford to do that. No. And uh, the government have brought in this taxation rule, which basically means that if you're employing somebody who is um, a, a one-man contractor or a two-man contractor, you have to do the taxation for them. And it's horribly complicated. So there's all these levels of, so, of instance, confusion in have, it. If you have 18 different subcontractors working for you, you have to do all their 18 different tax? Yes, so you would bill me. Yeah. And as you as you bill me, I would ask to see your CIS number. Right. Um, I, I look at that, your CIS registered, which is good news, because I then deduct 20% of what I'm going to pay you, and I pay the government. Okay. If you don't tell me your CIS number, um, that's bad news, because then I deduct 30%, and then we both get investigated. So, oh my God! So, so I yeah, I remember it was extremely complex. So that's just one little area. So yeah. Your software mm -hmm. uh, sort of accommodates or, or keeps track of all of it for them. Yeah. We, well, we're getting there. We're getting there. We're trying to do as much as we possibly can. And I think the the difficult thing for us is we've got to focus on on the niches in this big sector, which we get the most users and we get the most benefit, give the most benefit to our users. Because you know, I can guarantee there's a form for something, for some, you know, something down the road, which I've probably never even heard of. Mm -hmm. So our goal is to, is to computerize, I guess, the biggest 80% of this market and to give the biggest value to it in, in an easy to use package. Because if it's not easy to use, you know, our biggest, and I'm going to talk about competition, but one of our biggest sort of bits of competition is a, it's a pen and a, and a piece of paper. Right, they're still using that. It, right? You know, absolutely. So we have to make it completely easy and simple for them to, to do right. that. Right. And so how much time do you think you're saving your clients and um, by buying your software? Oh, well, we have all sorts of quotes. Some, I, f I feel a bit far-fetched, if, if I'm honest, but we, um, I, I think if, if you're a one-man band, we're probably saving you some, somewhere in the order of four hours a week. You know, for doing the admin, which is probably half a working day, That's so you right. can go and do something. If you're a larger company and you have staff, then well, we have all sorts of quotes. You know, some twenty hours, fifty hours, sixty hours worth of extra time, which these companies can either do more work, or we tend to find out some of them actually, you know, have a day off, yeah, <laughs> you know, which yeah. is pretty rare in this market. Right, right, yeah, right, right. So, so, so where for for what you're doing now, what what's sort of your vision for where you want to go? What what do you, you've got five? You're looking at sort of this um, smaller yeah. um, companies <clears throat> that are five to twenty people. So yeah. what, So it's just about tapping into more and more five to twenty people's uh, companies here in the UK. Do you want to go to other countries? What are you looking at? Okay. So, um, great, great question. So. We're focused on the UK. This is this is where we are. In fact, 80% of all of our paying customers are in the UK, which actually means we have 20% of paying customers who are overseas. Um, the States is quite big for us. Australia, South Africa is quite big for us. But we want to win and dominate our home market first. This is the market we understand. Uh, you know, this is we have easy access to it. So that that is our focus today. Um, what is our goal? Well, our goal is to computerize all of the things that these companies have to do. Yeah, I'm a real firm believer that this is the last great uncomputerized sector, probably in the world, actually, if I'm honest. Uh, it's, we compete with ap apathy, not necessarily other products, although right. there are lots of other products in this space. Right. So our goal is to computerize all the things that they do. We want to make it easy. And you know, if I'm selling to a, 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 a one-man band, actually what I want to do is enable him to enjoy what he's doing. You know, he's... 
or she did not go into that market to, to do admin. And that's what I hear all the time. So, yeah. you know, and what they decide to do with that free time is completely up to them. So For the larger ones, it's all about scaling their businesses. Scaling their businesses. Yeah. So how do they hear about you? Well, interesting. Um, this market is very incestuous, if I'm honest. So everybody knows everybody. Everybody knows everybody. And you gave the example of if you have had 18 contractors working for a main contractor. Well, that's absolutely the truth. So you'd be amazed. There are some huge construction companies out there which have very little assets, very few, you know, full time employees working for them. They tend to all be employing subcontractors and part-time. Sort of, yeah and then it, it's like a big pyramid these these part-time co- subcontractors will subcontract something else out who will subcontract something else out so that cis thing i mentioned mm-hmm. that gets really confusing oh yeah up and down the pyramid yeah. um so we get a lot of recommendation so we get lots of people talking about us right. and if we can get in with the main contractor then we can sort of specify powered now to their subcontractors right so that's one side. The other side is digital marketing, which is obviously big for us. Yeah. So when I met you, I think um, your company and your story in terms of what you're doing, et cetera, was one of the most, even though it's not super, super high tech, right? Yep. It's, 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 it should sound simple. It's one of the most um, complex yeah. to sort of explain to people. They sort of don't really understand. I mean, you think they should understand, but it was really difficult to explain to them what you could do for people and what, what how you could handle it. Yeah. Um, and uh, the key thing for you was to educate people. Yes. Right? Yes. And so if, do you think you've reached a tipping point in educating the home market so that they actually understand the youth? You said, you know, it's come a long way yeah. since 2013 when we met. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, no, that's 2018 now. So it's like crazy, huh? I know. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so have you reached a tipping point that allows things to sort of flow downhill more easily in terms of people just saying, oh yes, I need that. I, I know that if it's a small mm, community, um, you'll be able to sort of scale it. Uh, like when do you think you'll be able to saturate your market? In the UK? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think there are two things, two huge things in our favor. The first one is, you know, back in, well, 2010, when we did the research, we, you know, we were dialing people up. We were asking them, would you use a system to do this? And maybe one in 10 would say yes. The reason being is, you know, it's a bit old school. You know, lots of, lots of people who, you know, they've, they've, they're stuck in their ways. They don't necessarily want to change. Well, of course, every single year, a whole bunch of people retire and a whole bunch of new people come into the market. Who are what age? Well, people that buy our software typically are 25 plus. People younger than that don't really start their own companies. Yeah. You know, they might be working for somebody. Yeah. But, you know, I'm, I've just turned 40. And could I possibly imagine using paper and pen? You know, I work in technology, so maybe I'm slightly different. But, you know, crazy. My, my, my co-founder, Chris, you know, he's the... I, yeah, I know Chris. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's the uh, silver helmet of the, of the trio that right. founded Powered Now. Um, you know, he's, he's in his early 60s. Yeah. And... He has friends that would refuse to use email up to about three or four years ago. So in the construction industry, no, anywhere, anywhere. You know, so it's (laughs) it's amazing how how long it sometimes takes for technology change to sort of embed itself into people, and really that's happening quite quickly now. I think, and it's speeding up. It's speeding up, and if especially in construction and younger people who are coming through, you know, they're used to using their mobile phones or their tablets and you know, the idea of getting a laptop out is almost you know, that's almost old technology something right. for these especially for mobile based people. Right. So the market is coming to us, so the expectations are coming to us. So that's the first thing. 
And I think the second thing that would help, I like your analogy of things going downhill a bit quicker, um, is actually, is that horrible R word, that regulation point. Now, we've had some some terrible things that have happened in the UK. So you have Grenfell Tower. Yeah. You know, there's 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 always this funny saying that, you know, red tape is bad, but actually people are beginning to understand that it's necessary. It's necessary. They have to be accountable for what it is they do. And we have that CIS thing I mentioned, but there's a, there's a new thing coming for the government as well called making tax digital. So if you're a VAT registered company, you have to do your own quarterly VAT reports. And trust me, for this market, that is going to be mind-blowing yeah. to them you know they they will they tend to rely on their accountants and bookkeepers i probably shouldn't say this on the video podcast but <laughs> probably a little bit far too much yes. if i'm honest you know they kind of rely on them to do all their admin but actually if we can take some of that burden with our software away right you know they can right. save some money and do things a bit easier as right. well. right there's a huge sort of unmet need out there there is so, yeah. so the market is absolutely coming to us yeah um, quite quickly actually right and i i've seen that also with my move from silicon valley to uh, europe six yeah. and a half years ago because when i first got to amsterdam for four years and then two and a half years in spain now um <clears throat> there were like hardly any private accelerators, private inc incubators. There were four in four different universities in Amsterdam and in, um, in the Netherlands. But and now it's just this explosion of yeah. uh, you know accelerators, incubators, the <clears throat> people you know sort of talking, connecting with um, industry and technology and centralizing the information. So you know the whole thing is speeding up yes. um, across the board uh, across Europe. So it doesn't um, surprise me that in your area which is lagging has been lagging behind that they also would be speeding up yeah they might not be speeding up as fast as some of the other um technology areas but they're yeah. still speeding up they are and i i also think that it's it's quite trendy isn't it as well you know there's lots of kind of especially in our space there's lots of very old traditional very large companies who have always done something the way they've always done it. So if you take the um, suppliers, the merchant merchandisers who actually get product from a factory onto a building site, that's been the same process for, for years and years and years. Right. And they're suddenly seeing technology and the things that are happening in construction technology especially as a way to both, you know, well, really, if we're honest, it's to... Uh, uh, speed up the whole thing, streamline it, and of mm. course make better profits yeah, yeah, in the process. Costs, right? So these companies are all spinning up their own accelerators, you right. know, and they're bringing on, you know, products which we would have been laughed out of the room five years ago if we suggested, you know, drone delivery to sites. I mean, come on, right. um, that's actually happening. You know, there's a large construction firm who are, in, who are spending a lot of time looking at this. You know, it's a bit it still feels like it's a bit too far out from today, yeah, but yeah. it's crazy how it's sped up. Yeah. No, I mean, but drone delivery, I mean, drones are used for deliver all sorts of things currently all over the world. I mean, medicine, yeah. everything. So that, it's not that far out, you know? No, but I think maybe a sort of, you know, 30-foot steel girder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, might, that's true. <laughs> might, might take a bit of time and effort. Thinking of drones delivering medicine with this little yeah. tiny thing, that's true. Yeah. Uh -huh. But it was interesting, you know, I, I got in a, got in a, a cab to, to come and see you today. And uh, I'm awfully sorry I was a few minutes late. No, but the reason fine. I was late is because I was stuck behind a load of construction traffic. Yeah, you know, and it's trucks in central, you know, cities. It's you know, the way that these companies can leverage AI routing. Right. There's all sorts of interesting things which actually they're all waking up to in the construction area now. Right, because right. you know it's there for them. They can actually do something with it. Right, right. You had mentioned earlier um, th that. Um, 
you had a, an idea before the next web. You had a pitch deck prepared, and you thought, oh, this was perfect. Then we'd work together, and you yeah. thought, okay, no, and it sort of broke you down, yeah. and then et cetera. But could you, um, and then you came a couple, three years later, I think it was. Yeah, three years later, just before you had to pitch for your Series A yeah. money um, for the $2 million. Um, and I would just would be interested to understand what in those um in the, in the process of my approach, what did what did you use or learn that allowed you to um, transform what okay. you were doing? Okay. Um, yeah. Well, somebody once told me that when you start your own business, you know, you've either got to be mad or totally self-assured with yourself, <laughs> if you're, if I'm honest. And I'm yet to find many introverted entrepreneurs. If that makes <laughs> sense, you know, we all think we know exactly what it is that we've got to do. And I've all, you know, we've all read the various books. You know, the a lean startup, <laughs> one way all the way to the four-hour work week. You kind That's of get, right. <laughs> you kind of get all these um, this input, and uh, actually one of those inputs was you know actually obviously going to see you, but going to conferences myself. And right. this is before I was even thinking about starting a business or raising money. You kind of you're just getting, I guess, all these sources telling you how you should do it, and it's actually incredibly confusing. Right. So the first thing I did before I came to see you is I googled pitch deck. And four million results, or probably more, came back. And you look at the first one, and you think, oh, that's easy. And you build something really quickly. And then you look at the second one, and think, oh, well, that's completely wrong, my first one. So you kind of go around in these loops, and I think there's a whole lot of confusing advice. And I think the thing that really helped, you know, the reason why we came back to see you, Beth, if I'm honest, is you know, we rocked up in Amsterdam, you know, bold and brash we're ready to ready to rock raise lots of money you know i've always spoken about how you sort of you broke it down and built it back up again but i think depending on where you are where your stage of the business what people want to see in these pitches or you know if, if you're asking for money or whatever it is you're doing they want to relate it back to something which actually they've had their own experience with so and that was one of the i guess the hardest things about pitching and raising money because we're, in, we're doing something which is old-fashioned and weird and B2B and, you know, that's fine. But they'll all have an experience with that. So trying to tailor that that pitch to to the person you're pitching it to. And it's certainly not, there's no one-size-fits-all. I'll give you a good example. We went to see a very large VC firm here in London. And, you know, they had an opinion on the trade and construction space, which was... Um, well, I don't want to call a VC naive, but they were quite naive, actually, because they just, they've had no experience of it. So our pitch to them was all about education. You know, this is what the market's doing. This is where it's going. And this is how we're going to change it. And that doesn't necessarily fit into your, your classic, no. you know, pitch deck process, team, mission, values, you know, revenue, market mm -hmm. fit, right, or that kind of stuff. you couldn't get to that conversation yet because they had to, you had to lay the groundwork. So they, they were in your conversation first, educated enough yes. to understand the, what what you would what you were discussing basically yes, absolutely and that's that was a challenge because you know especially when you live and breathe the business because you just assume that everybody knows <laughs> what it is that you're doing and why there's such an opportunity right and remember what i say about the word assume yeah yeah exactly <laughs> exactly it makes an ass of you and me yeah yeah <laughs> it's like yeah and trust me yeah. i've made an ass in front of, i'm probably doing it now in this no. picture but i've done it in lots of important meetings with important people trying to explain what power now is yes <laughs> so so trying to 
gauge where somebody is in that journey within the first sort of 30 seconds of meeting them when you're going to pitch, I think the most critical thing anybody that's pitching can do because you have to be agile and be able to change tack very, exactly. very quickly. I think that was my first example of a VC firm. We saw another firm um, here in London and they kind of don't care. You know, they... They know they've got they've got a, they've got a whole bunch of bets. They're going to make some bets. They want to make a bet in B two B. They know that construction tech or con tech, as the new term is, is hot. You know they want to do something there. They don't want to be educated in the market. These guys are only interested in one thing, and that's the metrics. You know they want to know what's it going to cost to fill this car. How many miles to the gallon are you going to get? Are we going to get to our destination? And then when we get there, is there a big party or we're going to? Sort and of... when are we going to get there? Exactly. Exactly. So. Metrics-driven approach to pitching, again, I think that's something which you only get when, well, actually, for an early-stage company, you only get when you've got some metrics to, to actually show off about. Right. You know, you, And that's a very different thing as well. And so, you know, having, you know, we all talk about pitch decks, which should be a certain size and a certain number of slides, but you've kind of, in my opinion, you've got to have everything prepared. You know, you've almost got to have this 100 slides, or not necessarily slides, but in your head. Right. So you can quickly pivot to where they need to be because the time whilst you're pitching is so precious. You know, you have really one opportunity to, right. you know, these, these companies see so many people through the doors and it's never been easier or faster to get a company like Powered Now off the ground, actually. So bright young things, you know, much, much younger than I am these days. Right. You know, they're all coming through the door. So you have to be able to get gauge where they are and their journey right. and then present the information you have. Right. So, that, I mean, that's one of the key things that, I've, that I tell all my clients is that you have to understand who you're talking to. Yes. And then you have to adapt um, and tailor, fine-tune your message based on what their motivation is. Yes. And you have, to under, you have to understand them, understand their motivations, then you have to tailor what you're saying. So this 100-slide you know, deck in your head, basically, you know, when I, we worked together, I gave you 10 to 13 sort of slide deck, which is like an outline you have in your in your head about what what to say, what not to say, and how to say it yes. um, so quickly so that they get it, right? But behind that is your, your sort of 20, 35 slide deck that gives you all of the detail, but you have to understand, you know, how to kill your darlings, right? Yeah, yeah. You yeah. have to be ruthless in killing the things that you do not need to say that they don't care about and understand then how to deliver it so that you it's in your unique voice right so that they can they get the um, sort of passion and sort of the compelling sort of urgency of what it is your your the value of what you're creating so that they can say yes I want to talk to you I want to give you money I want to you know this sounds like something we really can get behind yeah yeah and that all of that understanding the lens of which you need to convey um, the value of what you're doing, that lens of who you're talking to, what to say, what not to say, and how to say it, is something that many people are just lost in. They, yeah. That's my experience. I like the lens, actually. That's really good, actually. And it's, that's a real struggle, I think, for... Well, I think that's hard for anybody, you yeah. know, trying to... If you're that seasoned and you can figure that out, you've probably got it all sussed. Exactly. You know, <laughs> none of us have got all this, this, this stuff sussed. And I think the, um, that's the challenge. And it's, it's weird looking back on the various things we've done. Now, I'm sure I'm going to have to be pitching again for money. You know, we, we have a plan to actually get to break even and into huge profitability. But, you know, we, the, the market might change. We might decide to do something. There might be an opportunity somewhere else within the business. So we might want to, to think about that again. Right. You know, I don't, we can't ever rule anything out in this, in, this, in this world. So trying to 
stay fresh and being understand how to distill that lens, as it were, I think that's that's very, very hard. Yes. And I think founders, startup founders, especially first time startup founders, massively underestimate the amount of well, just time, effort and knowledge it takes to get to that point. You know, it's 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 really hard. Yeah. It's really hard. That, that's been my experience about the massive underestimating because yeah. I've coached over 2,000 companies since I moved to Europe six and a half years ago um, across all technologies. So right. it's, you know, clean tech, um, med tech, biotech, uh, fintech, ag tech, food tech, everything. Now contact, as you say. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, there's, there's a lack of awareness about how much time and effort it takes to articulate yes. quickly and clearly the value of what it is that you are offering to the yes. world and your technology a service or product and the amount of time it takes to do that and then practice it so that you can actually get up and deliver it in the way that you did which uh, which is basically as if it's in your autonomic involuntary nervous system yeah. it's like breathing right <laughs> yes absolutely and i remember when we worked together in spain we worked for a couple of days and with you and with chris your C cfo and then you went to talk to the investor. You had the meeting set up two days later. And then you said, you know, we put the, together the deck. We didn't actually go through the deck, but you were able to have a conversation with that yeah. lens. You said to me, and you didn't use the word lens maybe, but that lens in your framework, in your mind, so that when you talked to him, you knew exactly what to say when, and you could tell your stories, and you understood what not to say as well yeah. as what to say. Yeah. As a member, you were talking to me about that. It's the confidence. It yeah. gives you that inner, inner confidence. Actually, you know, I, I can answer that. Or if I can't answer it, I know how to deal with it. Right. And I think that's, you only get that when you're, you're really, well, either you've been through it or you're spending the time focusing on it. Yeah, that's the time. That's the thing. Yeah. And um, this is what you said about, you know, who likes to pitch, basically to ask for money. But the better you get at it, I think the more easy, it's easier and you don't take the rejections as personally no, because that's you true. need to. You, <laughs> that's very you true. You need to go to the next. Okay, not the right one. Next, yeah. next, and you'll understand. I, I, you know, it's like for you. It's you were talking to this investor two days later, who was the right person, right? Yes. And you made helped him to understand that you were the the magnet that he needed to sort of get attracted to. Yes. Right. Yes. And it could have gone a different way if it if you you know gone maybe before well, you, you know because if it's too amorphous yes. the message isn't clear yes and the value of it's not clear then they, you don't develop that magnetism that's necessary you, you need to have the magnetism yeah. in order to attract the right investor and because you don't want anybody you just that's anybody. you're absolutely right i mean you know we were we were we were lucky in many ways that actually the the when we made our pitch it was the you're right it's the right person at the right it was, time I, yeah but you know we probably had i've probably been to 100 different pitch meetings before this you know <laughs> so <laughs> and out of those, you know, we did the whole crowd cube thing, but actually we, we have, you have to bring angels with you. And when you've, you know, you've got vaporware, you've got no products, no <laughs> metrics, no money, no traction, no hockey stick, none of that stuff. It's, it's all about selling the vision and what's possible. Right. And some people are there, some people understand that, some people are not. But, you know, you've got to grab what you can get. Right. And I think the rejection point is really interesting because... When I first started doing this and first started the whole pitching thing, you know, oh yeah, you know, I'm going to be rejected. It's going to be fine. Don't worry about it, Ben. You know, you're a big boy. <laughs> you can deal with that. Yeah, forget that. It's, you know, it's devastating. Yeah, it is devastating. I know. Because you know, you do your research, and I want to come and see. You know, I want to see Beth VC because she's 
invested in six other contact businesses. She understands what we're doing. We've got a connection. You know, maybe we've met before and we've got on well. And you go in, but you don't know the backstory. You, know, right. you have no idea. Maybe, you know, you've, maybe you've invested in six contact businesses and they've all tanked, so therefore yeah. you don't want to touch with contact. Maybe you've got one. You're thinking about investing in and you're using our meeting as to research. To learn more about to that. That's exactly more. right. Yeah, <laughs> you know? That's a lot. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, that happened with a really, really large VC firm based here. I know that's what they were doing before we walked into the, into the meeting. Yeah. But that's fine. You know, just, yeah. just suck it up. And, yeah. uh, you know, use Keep the experience. Going. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's, you just have to say next. Like, okay, that didn't work. Next. But you have to, you know, it's like what's what I call deliberate practice. It's, you know, there's a saying about practice makes perfect. Yeah. And it isn't true, actually, if you aren't clear about, if you don't have the right tools and you understand clearly um, what to say, what not to say, mm -hmm. and then how to deliver it. If you you're if you practice without the right tools and without the right um, uh, message delivered in the right way, it just... Um, basically ingrains bad habits yeah. and you don't have success. <clears throat> and so it is about deliberate practice, which is about understanding what to say, what not to say, and how to say it, having the tools, having the practice to be able to show up. And then every time it doesn't work out, you can clear as much as possible why it didn't yeah, work. Exactly. That's the thing. If you can debrief and find out, that'd be great. But it's understanding just what you said you, you, afterwards. And sometimes you can find out ahead of time, like you walked in ahead of time, you knew they already had yeah. uh, a com competitor, right? So they weren't actually, they were just trying to benchmark yeah, their exactly. research, right? So if you walk in, you have your expectations set correctly. And sometimes you're surprised um, positively, pleasantly, because you have something good happen. But then if it doesn't happen, you just go on to the next one. And then you end up having the right you know, you had the right meeting with the right investor at the right time, you, you know, with the right practice two yeah. days before. Everything yeah. came together. It was perfect. Yeah. I mean, that was perfect. But it's funny, you, you really hit on something which is, I think, really interesting. That when, remember at the beginning I said, I Googled how to do a pitch deck and you get all those results. Actually, most of these things, the top results are, see the pitch deck which raised, insert company, you know, Dropbox or whatever, yeah, yeah. five gazillion pounds. Right, I know. And you look at it and it's like five slides. I know, that nothing on it, I know. And like, oh, wow, that's what we've got to do then. But it's the context. <laughs> now, exactly. What was the context? That, and the stories you told, that's yeah. right, and the person, how they delivered it, exactly. Yeah. And right. I think that's the learning which you yeah. have when you've done this a few right. times. But Well, that's wonderful. So thank you so much, Ben. It's, it's been just, my pleasure. It's been lovely having you come <laughs> up and seeing you coming up from the Isle of Wight. It's like uh, to London, it's great. Yeah, yeah, you know, I've I've got my passport, and I'm gonna get some get some duty free on the way out. I oh, think so. <laughs> wish. <laughs> so. so so thank you very very much. It's my, been great. My pleasure, Beth. Thank you. <laughs>